Welcome to Hometown Highlights, where we sit down with professionals, business owners, and community members. There are so many unique and incredible stories in the individuals and businesses that surround us every day. Here on Hometown Highlights, we bring attention to these stories and bring them to the spotlight. We also want to thank our sponsors at Hitchings Insurance. We appreciate their support in creating this podcast. Now, let's jump into the conversation. We want to welcome you to another episode of Hometown Highlights. I'm really excited about today. I'm excited for our guest. Um, very personal to me. Uh, it's actually my cousin. So we are we are we are going to have a conversation with Alex Pessel. Uh, he was born and raised in Arcadia, Ohio. Went to Arcadia High School, and he obtained a, a Bachelor of Science in Mayo biomedical engineering over at Trine University. He's currently over at John Hopkins uh, looking at, at that same program, biomedical engineering, for his PhD. Uh, he's raised by Trent and Shauna Pessel. Uh, his, his mother is an RN at Blanchard Valley, and his dad is a physical ed teacher at Fostoria. Uh, has one sister, Leah. The family pet um is a miniature schnauzer which is really near and dear to Alex's heart I know that uh he he was uh very involved at at Trine University in his undergraduate uh he played baseball a few years he was involved in uh various leadership groups um correct me if I'm wrong Alex but the Einiger Fellows was a business group uh that connected you with the business side of engineering uh, some that's things correct. that's correct. Some of the hobbies you like to do, you like to collect baseball bobbleheads. You're into 3D printing, playing pickup basketball, golfing, and riding your bike. Uh, your best strength is balancing a busy workload and being creative. That's that's a true engineer. Uh, one of your weaknesses is communication and holding things to yourself. Um, your your mentor, you mentioned David Spridgen, who I also know. Uh, he was one of your coaches. He taught you so much about life. Uh, beyond high school and how and how to make your mark well uh, you're on your way to a very successful career so I can appreciate that let's introduce Alex Pessel how are you doing today Alex good guys hey thanks for having me I really appreciate it I'm really excited to do this so awesome we're we're, we're glad to have you so what what is going on you're over at John Hopkins right now correct Yep, currently in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, we had gotten here about a month ago, um, so I'm I'm kind of completing this transition of a new move, which is always exciting. You know, I had to do that in college the first time, and now this is a, a huge city, so this is very new to me. Uh, I actually drove and dropped uh, my girlfriend off at the airport today, uh, so there's a lot of traffic, and that's not normal Northwest Ohio or the Finley area. Um, so there's a lot of uh, getting used to here, but it's, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So you're from a, a town of what, 600? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and, you're in a, and now you're in a, a, a definite city with, with multiple millions. So it's a uh, eye opener for a small town kid, but you know, John Hopkins obviously is one of the premier, uh, you know, education, you know, facilities, in the United States. So it's pretty impressive where you're at there. What, so after trying, what, 
what made you seek out John Hopkins or did they seek you out? What did, what did that look like? Right. Um, so I think the process for generally people who are engineers and want to do a PhD in anything engineering, um, it's just like anything with applying to undergraduate universities. Uh, you're looking at places that, you know, suit you, you think would suit you the best. Uh, it's interesting with graduate school, though, because it's not like undergraduate and in, in which, at least in my case, classes aren't as important. Uh, you have to take some. Um, but what's more important is uh, doing research and gaining skills that you could eventually take on to industry or in the academic side of things as a professor. So the reason I had uh, looked at Johns Hopkins is it's one of the top uh, premier schools in biomedical engineering research. And if I felt like I was gonna get any um, or obtain more research skills I don't already have and make my time worthwhile, I better do it at you know the best place that I can get into in my personal opinion. So I think I applied to seven schools and only got accepted into a couple, but Johns Hopkins happened to be one of them. Um, and, and when you're looking at schools, you really want to look at the professor and the mentor that you want to work with because they're going to guide you throughout your entire time there. And then as well, after you're there, um, they're really going to set you up with great opportunities, whether you want to become a professor or somebody out in industry. So it's really about the fit. You got to really enjoy the research you're doing in the lab and you really have to choose a mentor that you think um, fits you best. So it's those two factors are definitely the most critical in the process. I want to talk about the project that you're researching right now. It's to me, it's, it's insane. The level, like I can't even process actually. So I'm just going to read what you said. I have an ongoing project looking at the blood brain bear and, and using brain blood vessel on a chip technology to look at ways to get drugs into the brain for patients with Alzheimer's and more. Mm -hmm. So that's what you're researching, right? Yeah. So right now my first little project is I'm trying to understand how pressure changes in blood vessels can affect the blood brain barrier. If you don't know the blood brain barrier is a, uh, it's unique and that it doesn't allow a lot of solutes such as glucose, which is important for you uh, every day in life and uh, water, uh, oxygen, you know, basic simple gases, things are diffusing in and out of your blood vessels all the time. Uh, but the blood brain barrier is special and that really limits what diffuses in and out. Because if you have anything that's toxic going to your brain, obviously it doesn't, doesn't lead to good, con good, uh, good consequences. So what we're trying to do is actually expand the permeability of the brain, meaning we want to get more into it. And why would we want to do that? It's very important in research today. We're trying to get drugs into the brain uh, for people with like Alzheimer's, for instance. Uh, but the difficulty is because of how it's designed in nature, um, the blood vessels are so tightly compact with cells, a variety of cells. Um, that's, it's very difficult to get drugs into the brain. And we really want to accomplish that. Uh, but in order to do so, you gotta, you gotta find ways to manipulate that barrier, but not manipulate it permanently because that's a fine line you're walking. You don't want to, you know, 
induce the brain uh, to any negative circumstances. So that's kind of like my first project is I'm trying to uh, figure out, you know, what types of pressure uh, change the dilation of the blood vessels in the brain and how that alters the junctions between cells and uh, what can go in and out of the blood vessels. Um, so, yeah, I try to explain it in, you know, a very simple way, but at the end of the day, it's very important that uh, clinically uh, that we can get drugs into the brain and that's a way to do it is manipulate the pressure. Wow. I'm going to pretend like I know what that means. Uh, <laughs> no, I think that's great, Alex. Obviously, it's something that, you know, you can see the passion that you have for that and the detailed. I, I do want to go more into this topic. But before we do that, I would like to go back in time with you. I want to okay. go back to, you know, when you are at your time in high school, you're at Arcadia. And let's go back to, you know, lead us up to where you're at now, obviously, at John Hopkins. So if we go back, um, you know, you mentioned that you played baseball when you were at Trine. So obviously, you know, you played baseball in your high school. Like what other activities were you involved with uh, at your time at Arcadia? Right. So at Arcadia, uh, I tried to play a lot of sports. I played football, basketball and baseball. So it was a year round affair, you know, for all four years. And, and basically athletics was my thing and I really enjoyed it. Uh, and then academics, that was just, you know, I, I prioritized it certainly, uh, but my mind was focused on doing sports and being social with my friends. Uh, but when it came time to choosing an undergrad university or maybe what I wanted to do with life, that was a little difficult for me. I knew that I was pretty good at basic science and math concepts. Uh, so engineering was probably best for me. Uh, I broke my femur in high school when I was a junior playing quarterback. And that's really what taught me, you know, I want to do biomedical engineering. Uh, when I got to the hospital, I thought I'd be in a cast for like weeks, but I was walking the next day after surgery. Hmm. So like just the marvels of the field is just tremendous. I mean, look how far we've came, you know, 20 years ago, you would have been on a bed for a couple of months, you know, maybe, maybe even longer than that. But the point is the innovation was there and that's exciting to me. And I really like to be creative and, and do new things. What's hot in the field right now or some exciting topics. So that led me to try, uh, but it was a smaller school so I could play baseball, which was awesome. I mean, the social dynamic there and the ability to, you know, every, every day in the spring, hang out with the guys and, and just play, play ball, you know, it, it makes you feel like a kid again. So that was great. But, Really what I got out of trying after high school was into more like professional and academic clubs and activities like uh, Ryan, I mentioned Einer Fellows. That's uh, that's like a joint business engineering uh, group where we kind of share ideas with each other for our professional development and sharing networking and how can we grow as leaders. So activities like that were instrumental. I also started the local chapter uh, for our biomedical engineering honor society in college, I felt like, you know, is my calling to leave, leave a lasting market trying in some way or another. And that was probably the best way to do it since we didn't have something like that. So yeah, from athletics to undergrad, I definitely, uh, transitioned from more of an athletics perspective in life to a more academic and professional, but I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. And I think the way the path that 
it took, uh, is definitely worth it for me. Yeah. I think that's cool. You saying, you know, that kind of was one experience as far as breaking your femur. Like obviously I'm sure it was a terrible experience, um, you know, and a lot of pain, but looking back on it now with hindsight being 2020, look back at that and see how that has really changed the trajectory of your life. Cause you said, Whoa, like it was something you were interested in, which then helped with that initial interest that you had with science and with math to say, this is the path that I want to go towards, you know, in the next step. Um, it's just cool seeing, yeah, obviously an unfortunate circumstance turning around for good and really helping you direct, you know, kind of your career path after that. A lot of people don't know, you know, where to, what their passions are in life. And it's little things like that, that you can stumble upon that really can kind of guide you into, you know, what you're interested in, but they come in unexpected ways, certainly. Yeah. So you briefly touched on it, I guess, go into a little more depth as far as that transition for you then from, you know, the athletic mind, three sport athlete to then transitioning to college and going more academic and involved with different groups um, outside of athletics. Was that a fairly seamless transition for you or how, you know, go into a little more depth for me and how that transition was for you? Yeah. So I think a lot of people when they, I guess when you're going to college, a lot of relatives, family, friends, people who've been through it, they always say, say like, you're going to have a ton of time now, but at the same time, you're not going to have a ton of time. It's a, it's definitely a balance. So not doing all those athletics, uh, definitely save me a ton of time. But on the flip side of that with baseball during that period, during the main season, I mean, the time just really eats up at Jeff and you really got to prioritize what you're doing. Um, so for me, it was, it was pretty seamless. I felt like I had really prepared myself for the next challenge. And, you know, engineering, I knew it was going to be difficult no matter what you're going to do, and especially trying to, you know, balance extracurriculars and even baseball for a couple of years. I mean, it, it was very difficult. But uh, for me, I felt like the transition was was fairly simple. You, you know, I just had to live a couple of weeks in college to understand, you know, how does this work? You know, you can never be prepared enough for a new life change like that. I mean, it's, it's big. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree completely with you. You know, you mentioned with the time aspect, because that is something you hear a lot as, you know, a high school student that, Oh, you're going to have so much time and you're right. You do, but it's all just, you know, it teaches you time management and it teaches you how to, you teaches you slash you just naturally learn how to use your time. You know, in your case, obviously you got plugged into, created different groups, got plugged into different organizations and such on campus to fill that time compared to, obviously there are numerous other ways that you could, you know, fill up your time when you are in college. And, you know, even you think of like during the daily, like when I think back, okay, you were only in class, we were in class for what, three hours a day in college, but it's those hours in between that obviously there's the homework outside of it, but then also those organizations that you are spending your time with, um, that again, those are passions. Those are things that you enjoy to fill that time with. And then over the course of four years, yeah, by the time you become a senior and involved with all these different things, yeah, there's, it's like, well, wasn't I supposed to have a bunch of free time here? Like I just feel right. super overwhelmed and, but it's all, you know, it's good things and things that you decide and things that you want to do that really are just preparing you for the next step. Yeah, no, it's certainly, and even the transition from undergrad to graduate school, I mean, I'm, I'm discovering right now, it's a different, it's a different type of vibe because you're trying to work, you're trying to work a 40 hour a week schedule 
because this is technically your job. You're getting paid to do this. Uh, but at the same time, in your first couple of years, you're taking classes. You might be a TA for a class. So it's just, I feel like every stage of life, you, you're given, you're always given the same amount of time, but you're, you're now given different uh, mm. opportunities you must fulfill. So, I mean, every, every step of the direction, you just got to learn to balance it. And college certainly teaches you a lot about that. For sure. So I, I know you briefly touched on it earlier and just to make sure I'm understanding correctly. So you just graduated from trying in May of this year, correct? Yeah, in May of yeah that's correct. Okay. So now this is your first semester at job at John Hopkinson. So yep. I'm assuming then, so what did that senior year look like for you at trying? You know, you said that you had applied for seven total schools. Um, you know, how much time did you devote or what did that look like even just applying for yeah. those graduate programs? Yeah, the application process is certainly uh, rigorous. So one thing that uh, a lot of, I was, I was kind of torn. I didn't know if I wanted to uh, continue research because I had done some in undergraduate. That's how I kind of got interested in doing a PhD. I didn't know if I wanted to go that route. I didn't know if I wanted to go to medical school. That's something I had always been uh, toying with on the side, you know, something that I, I kind of felt passionate about, but wasn't sure because I like to work with people. Um, so I, I spent it the summer prior prepping for the MCAT and the GRE. So those are like the ACT of getting into undergrad. So the GRE, I took about a month or two study for that MCAT. I took several months and I, I got my scores back and I felt like I could pursue uh, a direction either way, but I was better suited for the PhD route. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of time that goes into um, contacting professors of interest, really investigating what the strong suits of the school are research wise or what opportunities they have available in the area. I mean, it's really important to look at geographically where it's located. And if you're interested in industry, you know, what, what connections can you get out of it? Um, so there's a lot of prep work and trying to talk to people, uh, preparing your personal statement, uh, asking for letters of recommendation was, was difficult too. But less difficult for me because the small school feel all my professors knew me very well. And I felt like that gave me an, an awesome competitive competitive edge in the process. But yeah, there's certainly it was a it was a ton of prep work for grad school while still taking, I think at that time I was taking 15 hours in that first semester and starting a senior design project. Uh, so it is just a lot going on at once. Uh but that's why you got to start things weeks in advance, months in advance for the application process. And I know there's a lot of people in my cohort who were in the same boat and they were able to do it well too. But I think that's just what prepares us as engineers is you got to kind of take things one step at a time and really plan things out. So with being at John Hopkins now, you said, again, you've been there for a month. Like, what does the first month look like? You know, obviously you talked about the blood-brain barrier and that aspect and the research. Like, was it day one, you just jump right into it? Or what does kind of that initial orientation look like? Right. So I, I signed up for, uh, as the department rule for PhD students, you have to complete 30 credit hours. Uh, so I believe I'm taking 11 this semester. And it's the split between engineering and biology. So right now I'm in three engineering courses and my first day of class uh, was not my first day in the lab, but my first official day in the lab where I'm actually doing research was the first day of class. And that's kind of how I prepped it 
I came in a couple of weeks early to kind of get used to, okay, what equipment does the lab have, you know, and some administrative things like how can I get access to previous documents in the lab? You know, where's my office space at? Uh, but yeah, day one, I'm taking, I have a class, not Monday, but Tuesday, I have two classes. So I'm in class uh, taking notes over Zoom, they're online. And then uh, the rest of the time I'm in the lab, you know, working on my project. And we have weekly meetings uh, every week with my mentor, which is in science, it's called a personal investigator. Um, so me and all the other graduate students in the lab report, you know, what we find in our experiments. For me, it's very early on. So I'm, I'm not doing a ton of experimentation right now. Um, but yeah, that's like the typical day to day. And that's five days a week, sometimes on the weekends, if you need to anything with, um, working with cells, you know, you gotta, you gotta feed them and make sure that they're doing okay. So sometimes that's a seven day a week job, unfortunately, but that's just the way it goes. And, but that hasn't been the case for me yet. Cause I haven't been working with a ton of cells, but yeah, that's just kind of what you expect. I mean, uh, some days you could be in the lab, uh, for 12 hours so the next day you could be in from four to six depending on what's going on so i've learned that the work schedule is very fluid and definitely the first couple of years your classes are first priority because you have to pass them in order to even do research so those are very important and how long is the total program alex like how many years will you be at right. hopkins so, so that that kind of depends on what your career interests are and okay. kind of the lab that you work in um, some labs, you, you might have to wait months to complete a certain experiment, depending if you're trying to grow mice or, uh, you know, culture cells, you know, prep cells for experiments. So that plays a factor. But the big thing is, what do you want to do after your career? So if you want to be an academic, you want to be a professor in a research lab, you know, run your own lab, you're going to need probably up to six to seven years because you want to obtain more publications underneath your belt to kind of show like, Hey, I can do good research. Um, somebody hire me on as a postdoc to prepare even more so I can prepare for that career as a professor. But if you're industry minded, you know, publications aren't as important. What's really important is gaining the skills that uh, certain companies in industry require for you to be successful. So that's looking more at like the four to six year window as opposed to the five to seven. So I can definitely say I'm, I'm looking to go into industry. So I'm looking at, you know, probably about five years to completion. So I, I don't want to go any longer with school. I'm, I'm really excited to work, but I realize that, you know, I might need some more skills to get a job that I really want. What is that job, Alex? Yeah. So what's the, I, what's the dream? The dream job, you know, at the end of the day, uh, when I'm older and I've worked in industry for a while, I want to be, you know, the head of research and development at a large pharmaceutical or medical device company. I like doing research, but I also like working with people and working as a team. And I want to take on more business um, challenges in industry in addition to science and engineering. It's very important to be um, affluent with what's going on in the business world. And that's what I learned in undergrad. You know, you're never going to get anything done if the engineers, the scientists, and the business people are all not on the same page. So for me, an ideal career would be an intersection between business, engineering, and science, you know, kind of running the research 
you know, where, where are we going to distribute our funding toward what's important, what's a hot topic, and for instance, cancer research, you know, what's something that looks promising. I would say that's an ideal career or, you know, being an entrepreneur and being the CEO of my own company. I think that sounds really cool too, if the right opportunity were to present itself, but you never know. So those are my ideal careers. Awesome. That's cool. That is, that is really cool. And like you said, I like the thinking of the intersection, you know, you said there's these three groups that need to all have that intersection, need to all communicate properly for, you know, everything to go smoothly. And you see yourself kind of like the, the center of that Venn diagram, right? Those three parts. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely important. Anything, uh, business related things, uh, those skills are very important to have, whether it's just, you know, being able to communicate scientific, um, jargon between scientists, engineers, and, you know, business people of venture capital firms. I mean, just being able to develop those business, uh, basic concepts is, is very important in today's world. For sure. For sure. That is awesome. Um, wow. So I really appreciate you sharing all of this, Alex. This has been great. I kind of want to wrap kind of our conversation and interview up with, you know, here on hometown highlights podcast, we focus a lot on community and community and those people around us and, you know, kind of a broad open-ended question for you, but, you know, essentially what does community mean for you or what has it meant for you? You know, kind of, I see it as like three stages of your life that we've kind of talked through between your time at Arcadia and in high school, growing up here, but then also at Trine and the community that you had there, then obviously the community that you have very new to, but also will grow into, you know, in your close to five years uh, at John Hopkins as well. So what does community look like for you or potentially even from a future sense, what do you think community looks like um, in trying to be that intersection between these three groups? Community to me, it looks like people being actively engaged with one another and sharing their experiences to help others grow. So the, the most unselfish thing would be being a community member to me. And I, I've, I felt that at Arcadia. There's a lot of people um, within the school system and outside the school system who are willing to share with you what it takes to be successful, uh, what things have they learned, what mistakes that they've made. And to me, that's what a, an ideal community member would do, is, is share with people who don't know as much as you, um, but you want to you wanna set them up to be successful so especially especially in the school system there, I felt like there's a lot of people that really want the kids to be successful. And that, and that just shows a strong, strong sense of community and leadership. And the same thing at Trine, it's when you have people who will go out of your way to talk to you, ask you about your life and how you're doing and, you know, what your dreams and aspirations are. So to me, community is really those people who will reach out, even though they're not required to, they will reach out and try and help you and, and understand that they've made mistakes in the past and that they want to help, you know, future generations into not making the same mistakes. And like I had mentioned, Arcadia and Angola, and Angola Indiana, it, the communities are the same. They want you to be successful and they want to provide you with the opportunities to be successful. It's up to you whether you want to take those or not. Um, everybody has choices. People love choices. Um, but the best communities are the ones who give people the most choices. 
Boom. I love it. Being a community member, the most unselfish thing that you can do. And it's just a part of that team, you know, and just using those attributes, those strengths that each individual person has for the better of the team, the community. Alex, thank you so much for your time. Uh, This has been great. It's been incredible. Nice to meet you. It's been nice just to go through your story and hear, you know, your perspective on, again, starting all the way back with breaking your femur and how that has led you to here and where you are today and excited to see where you will go from here. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for allowing me some opportunity to get some airtime with you. Uh, I've listened to a couple episodes. I, you know, it's really exciting to hear about other community members and what they're up to. And I think with a lot of negativity sometimes in the news today, um, there's always positives in the community. And I'm glad that you guys highlight people who are trying to make a positive impact on the world. Yeah, uh, Alex, thanks for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. You're doing great things as a young person from you know Arcadia, Ohio. It's cool to see where you're at over in Baltimore. And your future is definitely bright, and I can't wait to see where you go. Um, you've got to be the first biomedical engineer that I, that I know, and, and you're a cousin to boot. So I'm rooting for you. And if you ever need anything from us, make sure you reach out, but it's pretty impressive what you've done this far and in your short career. And, uh, we're all rooting for you back here. So, uh, thanks for coming on and thanks for sharing your story. I hope we'll have you back, you know, when you're that CEO or you're, you're doing that business side of things and, and we can talk about that. So this is, this is pretty awesome, man. Yeah, I'd love to be back in the Midwest for my career and doing things close to home. Um, and I know there's plenty of opportunities, maybe closer to bigger cities, but you know, I, I certainly enjoy uh, what Northwest Ohio brings. And it's definitely very different from Baltimore, let me tell you. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> just a little, huh? Uh, just a little. I mean, yeah. You got to have better food over there, though, right? Plenty of places to eat. And Food's great. Things to, do, things to do. Food's great if you're willing to pay a premium. I mean, things just aren't cheap out here, and it certainly reflects that on your, you know, your rent and things of that nature. You know, basic necessities. Just going out makes you question what you're doing, <laughs> but it's 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 wonderful to try. You know, the the fair here in Baltimore and. You're really getting involved in a new community. Yeah. Um, it's exciting, but at the same time, yeah, it's it's expensive. Everywhere you go, you got to pay to park, and that's definitely not a Finley thing, right? No, no, it's <laughs> not a Finley and Arcadia thing at all. I don't think uh, anyone has ever paid anything for parking in Arcadia, Ohio. No, as they shouldn't, you know. That's right. <laughs> that's right. What is, uh, is Baltimore known for any food items in general? Right, and this is kind of unfortunate because – I can't, I can't have shellfish, but crab cakes are huge here. I mean, crab is just, and not, have you ever heard of old Bay seasoning? Yeah. Yeah. They just love it out here. I mean, they'll put it on chips, they'll put it on wings, they'll put it on shellfish, chicken. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, they, they love it out here. So, but definitely the crab cakes. And I know my, my parents were able to try some of that when they moved me in and they were cool. real big fans. I mean, I can't speak to it, which is unfortunate. But yeah, definitely an East Coast thing. Yeah, because mom and dad are they have any trips planned? Are you coming home? Anything like that? What's that look uh, like with your your schedule? Yeah, tomorrow I actually fly out of Baltimore. And I'm going to Indianapolis. I'm in a wedding, so I'm in oh, one nice. of my buddy's weddings from college. Uh, but hopefully, in Thanksgiving and Christmas, I'll be able to yeah. take some time. I, I the beautiful part about being a grad student is that you know as long as you kind of get your research done 
and you show that you're making progress on your project, you know, the hours you set for yourself, depending on the PI and the department, you know, but for the most part, it's very fluid. So if you, if you need to go home for a couple of weeks, uh, that's certainly, certainly obtain, obtainable here. And Johns Hopkins is super supportive of, you know, your mental health and, you know, making sure that you're, you're a person first before you're a grad student. So, I mean, Johns Hopkins is like I mentioned, I can't speak enough about, you know, it doesn't matter what the U S news and world report says, if you're number one through whatever, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the community is very supportive and I've been, I've been thankful for that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to working here for the next five years or so. Awesome. Yeah. It'll be a good life experience for you that you can always talk about and remember. And obviously it's going to teach you a ton about what you're doing in your career and it's awesome. It's good. It's so cool to hear, man. I, I, I just love it. So it's neat stuff, Alex. Yeah. Thank you guys again. I mean, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk with me. It's been real exciting. I've never done a podcast before. I'm sure you guys are, you know, getting used to the swing of things. I mean, you just started it maybe like a year ago or, or so, right? Yeah. It's less than a year. When did we start Dom? It's like Marchish. Yeah. That sounds about right. I think we were talking about it like after the first of the year and officially started things probably March, April. Yeah. This was one of those things that happened with COVID and, you know, something that just like allowed us to do it because there was, you know, travel essentially had stopped. There was no in-person appointments and it was just a way we wanted to connect people with the community and just, and just highlight people that were doing good regardless of, you know, is that a young person? Is that a high school athlete? Is that a business owner? Is that a nonprofit? I mean, really anything. Um, so it's, it's been kind of fun to hear people's stories and just kind of share those with folks. And yeah, but that's, you know, kind of one of those, everything happens for a reason things. And, and this was kind of something that came out of COVID. Um, yeah. It's not as cool of a story as you breaking your leg and going into biomedical engineering and, and pushing you that way. But, you know, it's just one of those things, everything happens for a reason. And uh, yeah, no, it's fun having you on here, man. I love talking with this and, and what you're doing and, you know, your, your grandmother, Sandy, is always posting about wow. some of the stuff you're doing. I just love her, man. I, she you, is, would, you would she, think she was she's my editor or something. I mean, it's ridiculous. She is so she's not a you. publicist. I know she's, she's not, not a publicist. She's your grandma, so she is. I mean, she is, she is so proud of what you're doing. I love, you know, her enthusiasm and, you know, just some of the stuff. It, it, it's so cool to read about, but no, it's uh, – yeah, don't don't be bashful of that stuff, man. Soak that up. That's it, it's it's awesome what you're doing, and I think she really just wants her community members to know where you're at and what you're doing, and, and yeah. you know the good you're doing. So it's it, it's awesome to see. So there's there's a shout out for Sandy. She's you know I just I just love what she's how she's connecting and the stuff she's doing on Facebook and so forth for you. So it's pretty cool to see. She had actually this is a funny story. You guys might find this amusing. She had told the courier she wanted to run something about me speaking at trying at graduation. So I'm, I'm like working on homework or something for class. And I get this call from 419 area code. I'm like, Oh, that's, I should probably answer that. So I, I picked it up and, and she was like, this lady was like, Hey, I'm from the courier. Um, somebody requested to run a story about you. I said, let me guess who that was. I said, was her name, you know, Sandy, Sandy Franks. And she said, yeah, did she tell you about this? I said, I said, no, but this is just what I expect out of her. 
<laughs> she is just, I mean, she is the ultimate grandma and I'm really blessed. I mean, I have two great grandmas in my life. Sure. They're, they're amazing. They're amazing people on both my mom and dad's side. Yep. And they've always been super supportive. It's awesome. Yes. You've got, <laughs> you've got good families on both sides, obviously. And, uh, you know, they're, they've always been very supportive of you and, and, and the entire family in general. So, yeah. um, very, very cool story. And it's not, I'm not surprised. What else can I say? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Alex. Thanks for, for coming on. Thanks for being a, an awesome community member, you know, whatever community that may be, um, you know, from Angola or Arcadia, sorry, to Angola, now to Baltimore and, and everything you're doing. So pretty impressive. Stay in touch with it. Like I said, if you need anything, reach out and uh, thanks for everything you do. Yeah. Thank you guys again. Appreciate it. This has been the Hometown Highlights Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation. For similar interviews, you can subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again to our sponsors at Hitchings Insurance. Thanks for your time, and we look forward to the next show.